Hello, neighbor. You are listening to the New Garden Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. This year, we are walking through the whole Bible together as a church family, day by day and week by week. We meet at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person or catch our online gatherings by checking out our website at online. We would love to hear from you. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. So this is week 25 of our series called Long Story Short. If you have been with us for any Sunday during 2021, you know that we have been journeying through the entire Bible. We started in Genesis and now we're 25 weeks in and we are working cover to cover. And this week we are going to be talking about a book of one of the prophets called Amos. Yeah, and so the book of Amos is about this prophet named Amos. He was a shepherd from Judah. So if you remember Judah and Israel, they were separated. They used to be Israel, and now they're separated into two. We've talked about this. If you've been watching, you know what we're talking about. And this is about 150 years into this time of the divided kingdom. And Amos is this shepherd who lived near the border, but he lived in Judah. But most of the book is prophecies about the kingdom of Israel to the north. And so the kingdom of Israel had this king named Jeroboam, and he was not the best. So he was this conquering king, and while he added lots of wealth, and he even added to the land of Israel during the time, he established more cruel practices like harsh slave labor. And while King Jeroboam was the king of Israel, idolatry and worship of other gods ran rampant. The call of Amos is to expose the wickedness of Jeroboam's Israel and to call Israel to repentance. Uh, The book of Amos points out Israel's sin and also what's going to happen because of it. So God calling someone who is unexpected is nothing new in the Bible. This is something we have seen time and time again, right? And so Amos is just this shepherd and farmer in Judah, but God is calling Amos to go to Israel and to prophesy to, and to tell the king of Israel that what is happening is not good and is not God's will. And so in chapter 7, we see Amos going and talking to Amaziah, who is the priest of Bethel. And Amaziah doesn't like this message, right? He's talking about King Jeroboam, who's kind of Amaziah's guy. And he tells Amos, go home, go back to Judah and prophesy there, like be a prophet there. But Amos reminds him in chapter 7, verse 14, I'm not a professional prophet and I was never trained to be one. I'm just a shepherd and I take care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord called me away from my flock and told me, go and prophesy to my people in Israel. And I don't know about you, but In my life, sometimes I feel called to do things that I don't feel equipped for at all. And this might be how Amos was feeling. He's like, I'm a shepherd. And you want me to go and try to upset the the status quo of this whole kingdom? Like, I don't know if I'm the guy for that. But God does not care about our qualification. God cares about our hearts. And God sees that Amos is the one to do this. And so God has called Amos and Amos responds to the call. And I think we can learn from that too because we can also respond to the call of God in our lives. And so what was the call? So through sermons, poems, and visions, 
Amos prophesies judgment against the nations surrounding Israel and then to the epicenter, Israel's wrongdoings. Consequences for these things are carefully spelled out. But what are those wrongs, you might ask? Well, we see Amos mention the Israelites' idolatry and worship of other gods, which, believe me, I know if you've been watching this, you've heard us talk about this over and over and over again, continually, the Israelites falling into worshiping other gods. But we also see God, through Amos, make a point of the way that Israel treats the poor. In the Law of Moses earlier this year, we saw many examples in the Law of how to treat foreigners, widows, and others that might be looked down upon in society. We see several examples that God points out, indicating that the people of Israel are not doing right in God's eyes. In chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, God says this, For three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not relent. They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. Father and son use the same girl and so profane my holy name. They lie down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. In the house of their God, they drink wine that was taken as fines. So just in this passage alone, we see several ways in which the people of Israel are taking advantage of the poor in their midst. Uh, Now, this isn't just any nation doing this. This is God's holy chosen people. They're supposed to be a light to the nations, but they're not living up to that call. Um, This blessing of being chosen comes with responsibilities, and they have been chosen for a purpose, but they are not meeting that purpose. And so because Israel isn't living into the lifestyle that God has called them into, caring for the poor, the oppressed, the outsider, God has some harsh words for Israel, who are still uh, getting together every week and they're, they're offering sacrifices to God. This is what God says in chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river, and righteousness like a never-failing stream. Now I know that justice and righteousness can be hard to define, but for today, let's go with these definitions. Justice means righting wrongs, and righteousness means right living. So if you're a righteous person, you live in the right ways. And if you are seeking justice, you are seeking to see these things that are wrong and to make them right again. Um, So God's point here is, without doing good, the spoken words of love are meaningless. Sacrifices and offerings are only meaningful when they reflect the way that we are actually living our lives. Uh, You may remember from Deuteronomy, uh, the commandments to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength. We haven't gotten there yet, but in the New Testament, James defines true religion as this in James chapter 1 verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This type of religion that James outlines falls into Jesus's greatest commands, to love God with everything that we have and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So it's clear that God has high standards for Israel. 
to seek justice and to live righteously. God doesn't want them just to sing songs and have religious ceremonies, but to actually treat people well and do what is best for those that are around them. And God has repeatedly told the Israelites what God expects of them. This is not a new idea. And if you've been around with us, you've seen Israel fail time and time again. And I want you to think maybe about a parent who is asking a child to take the trash out. This is probably something they've asked them to do before, and they're asking the child to take the trash out today, and the child stays where they are, and after a few minutes just responds, I love you. That's great that the child loves the parent, but that's not what was asked of them. And this is essentially what Israel is doing, is to say, we're going to continue having these ceremonies and saying that we love God, but we are not living in the way that God has asked us to live. And we can fall into this as well. So it kind of stings to hear about God's disappointment in Israel when they are being very performative, but not living in the way that God has called them. And in James 2.17, we see that faith without works is dead. And so just as Amos is reminding Israel that to seek good and to do good for people around them, is the same as obeying God and seeking out God. That's true for us too as Christians today, that we are called to seek justice, live righteously, and not just sit when we've been asked to take the trash out, right? It's so much more than singing songs and coming to church on a Sunday. It's about treating people well, living well, and loving people well. And Amos is going on to not only remind Israel of what they need to be doing, but also who they're doing that for. That the God that they have turned their back on is not just the idols that they've collected from Canaan. This is the God that created them. The God that has led them out of slavery in Egypt, who has continued to provide for them and care for them, even though they turn They're back on God time and time again. And so Amos says in chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, It is the Lord who created the stars, the Pleiades and Orion. He turns darkness into morning and day into night. He draws up water from the oceans and pours it out as rain on the land. The Lord is his name. Amos is saying, look, Y'all are following these idols, worshiping these idols, and you have turned your back on the one true God, the God that has created the world and has continued to love you, even though you have been so unfaithful to him. And in this series, going through the Bible and reading about Israel, even hearing stories that I know really well, sometimes I start to wonder, like, man, Is this the time that God is going to turn his back on Israel? Is this going to be the time that they've gone too far, they have disobeyed one too many times, and God's going to give up on them? And that's not whatever happens, right? God continues to love them and stick with them, God's chosen people, even though they don't hardly ever hold up their end of the bargain. And so in chapter 9, after all of this judgment 
and correction and rebuking that Amos has brought to the people of Israel. He now brings a message of hope, a message of restoration that is foreshadowing some stuff that we know later in the New Testament. But this is what Amos says when he's talking about God's plans for the future of Israel. In chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, In that day, I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and rebuild it as it used to be, so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord, who will do these things. God is saying, I'm going to reconcile Israel back to me. I am disappointed in the way that you have not held up your end of the bargain, but that is not going to change the promise that I've made to you to care for you, to be your God, and to continue to want to be in relationship with you. And not only that, but God says he's going to extend this to the nations as well. Yeah. God is making an example out of Israel here. So God means what he says. Seek justice and live rightly, or experience the consequences of not doing so. In Israel's failures, there's hope for us. Uh, God is making all things new. He's restoring the connection that was lost due to sin. And furthermore, God has brought people from all nations into the fold through Jesus. Now we all bear the title of God's chosen people, and it doesn't stop with us. There's 7 billion people on this planet that God desires a relationship with. Our next door neighbors, our friends, even that coworker that we tend to avoid, God has made a way for all of those people to connect to the good life that we experience in the kingdom of God. Through the book of Amos, we discover that being a light and loving everyone, especially those we may tend to overlook, is what gives these worship gatherings value. We serve a God who not only cares about the words of our mouths, but of the actions of our hands. We all have a role in this. Let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream from Amos chapter 5. Amos, he was just a shepherd. Nothing special. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easy for me to fall into thinking that the world's problems and the problems of, of different groups are not mine. I'm just a guy. Who am I to say anything? Amos could have thought the same thing. And while we might not all have a direct message given to us by God for others, I do think that we have eyes to see what's going on in our world where people are being taken advantage of, where the poor or different groups are being treated as outsiders, even sometimes in our own midst as the people of God, we see this. And so we all have a role to play in that. Uh, And though it might not be a fun thing to do, sometimes what we have to do is upset the status quo that's presented to us. Uh, What we do in here every Sunday should not be the pinnacle of our worship to God. Rather, it should be the celebration of God's faithfulness in all that we experience throughout the week. Um, That's what we come here for. Yeah, and Amos, he did upset the status quo. I'm sure it was not easy to go against the norms of the day and to be speaking out in such a convicting way. But like I said, that was not the end of his message. There was a message of restoration and of hope and not just judgment. And it is not only extended to Israel and God reconciling God's relationship with Israel, but to the nations. 
to the nations that Amos spoke out about and the nations beyond, right? This is a message that is for everyone. And we know the end of the story. We know the things that Amos is foreshadowing, that he's saying that in the resurrection of Jesus, this relationship with God is going to be available to everyone, not just to Israel, not just to the nations around, but to us even today. And that's what we get to be a part of. And we get to share that with other people too. The way that Israel was supposed to be a light to the nations, we get to be a light to the people around us and be inviting people into this message of hope, into this kingdom of God. And that's what we get to celebrate every week as we go to the table and remember the reason that we get to be a part of the family of God and get to be a part of this restoration. That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us and we'll be back with another episode next week.